right, welcome back to a very, very special episode of the USL show. Um, it's our state of the USL. This is, I think, the first time that the, the USL has done this, and maybe, and it's definitely going to be the first time it's going to be like this because this is the first year we've had the W League. Um, so we're basically going to be talking about the stuff that went on on the pitch, the stuff that went on off the pitch, how content creators were affected, how the players, how the ownership, how fans were all affected. There's a whole lot of moving pieces to the USL, and it's not perfect. They did some things well, and we're here to talk about the good, bad, and the indifferent. Um, so let's go ahead, jump on in, and I want to just go ahead and start with the person that you know, I've had a great chance to get to know, especially with the W League starting, and that's Liz. How you doing? Hey, I'm pretty good. Uh, I'm so excited to be here. I feel like I've been doing kind of soccer stuff for, I mean, since right before the pandemic, but I've never actually been a guest on something, so or like a you know non-host. So I'm excited to be here. Cool. So what are you a part of for people who maybe don't know? Yes. So I'm Liz and I create uh, content around women's soccer uh, for the protagonist soccer. Um, so that's WPSL, um, you know, UWS. Um, and then now with the creation of the W League, USLW. So, yeah, we um, Kayla and I had a really great opportunity to do the Pick'em panel with the W League. Um, we can talk about more of that later, but that was a really great opportunity for the the front office to just be like, hey, let's get content creators involved. And that's something I have not seen from other lower league women's um, women's leagues. So, um, but yeah, so that's kind of what I do too. I also work for um, a, a WPSL team, California Storm. So that's kind of something that I do on the side, distantly, not a conflict of interest, but, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Just That's a little it. subtle, a little something on the side, no big deal. Yeah, we don't, we don't talk about it. <laughs> uh, to the person to your right is Kyle Carr. Everybody, I think everybody knows you, but for the people who don't, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty well. <coughs> Sorry about that. Yikes. Maybe Kids not. Yikes. Maybe sick, not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. But no, uh, I'm, Kyle. <laughs> I'm Kyle Carr. I am one of the co-hosts for Walking 90, which covers all things USL League One. Um, I'm also pretty heavily involved in the Ford Madison uh, fan support culture. So created one of the supported groups, Featherstone Flamingos. I help out with New Dog Mazine, uh, which is kind of a fanzine that has been going around to cover stuff within Ford Madison. So just doing a little bit of that. And between all that, there's also the Milwaukee Bucks, so the NBA team writing for Brew Hoop, which is over on SB Nation. So those are kind of my fun sports stuff that I do. And then spare time is being a parent and play video games. Pretty great. <laughs> yes. Sounds like a good time to me. I mean, hey, yeah. your bugs are doing pretty well right now, too. I'm, I'm pretty happy with it, and that's without their second-best player. So hopefully once he gets back, things will continue to be pretty good. I, uh, uh, winning the title a couple of years ago was probably one of the best things ever, and hopefully I can, if they do it again, I can actually go to the parade this go-around. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. Now, the person to my right and to above, Kyle, people know on the USL show, a very much a regular and that's John, John Morrissey of USL Tactics, Backhield, and whatever else you do. Please go to sleep for once. John, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, doing well. I mean, I'll spare the introduction. People who watch this know me. I tweet too much about the USL and write too much about the USL. So that's my gig. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Is man. there really such a thing as writing too much about the USL? 
no, but other people seem to disagree, maybe. <laughs> it's not about how much you write. It's about how little you sleep. You're tweeting things <laughs> at 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> I get that. I get we'll that. that Being up at 4.30 yeah. in the morning, it's relatable. <laughs> oh, man. There you go. So we're going to ha- – I have a whole bunch of questions that have already been lined – that have already written up. and But for people who are in the comments – Please post some in here. We'll try to answer them as they come in. But we have a whole lot of stuff to get through, so we might as well just go ahead and start. And the first question is, how do you feel like the league that you covered performed on the pitch? Do you feel like it's an improvement? And for, you know, Liz, obviously the W League didn't exist last year. How did it compare, you know, to other leagues around? So, yeah, start off with Liz. How do you feel like the W League compared to the other leagues that were at its level? Yeah, um, I would say the highs are high and the lows are low compared to WPSL and UWS. I think that's like a really f- like honest and fair assessment is that there can be a, a big gap in between the really good teams in each conference and then the ones that, you know, need to do a little bit more development. Everyone's starting off fresh, most of them at least. Um, so, you know, it can be expected the freshman year is kind of a little growing pain-wise. Um, but WPSL, UWS, I always feel like generally there is more consistent and more competitive conferences. Um, but, I mean, how did they do on the field? Like, I just, some of the best soccer that I saw this year was in the USLW. Um, I was just so impressed by, and I mean, they're all, I mean, I watched them in college. So most of these names, like I'm not, you know, I'm familiar with them, but it's so refreshing to see them, um, just ball out with their summer league team. Um, you know, teams that they don't, they don't play with a lot. Um, they see them for like six weeks, you know, a minimum sometimes, but the chemistry was great. I enjoyed it. Great soccer. Um, all around and no complaints and i'm just really i they set the bar really high for their next season so and there's a lot that is going to be coming out in the next couple of days um things that are going to be really exciting for the next season um and and i'm just i'm so excited for it so next couple of days i mean maybe don't don't let me overstep but i mean i think there's something coming out tomorrow right Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's all pretty much coming out tomorrow, but um, I'm not really sure. There's, I don't know what else. There's more on Friday, but I, I actually don't know what that one is. But mm. <laughs> we're all finding out about Friday together. But, but yeah, this should be fun. Yeah. Very excited about that. Kyle, you've had a chance to see. Well, I mean, unfortunately, you did have to watch Ford Masson this year. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but the highs were high in the Henny Derby. That was fun. But, I was going to say, that, that's the highlight for me is winning the Henny Derby. It is sitting on my desk over to the side, so I'm very happy about that. And I know Elliot is probably swearing he's going to text me some obscenity later on, but no, but, I think – oh, go yeah, on. Go the, on. the league itself, like how do you feel like the league's improved? I know for us, we started really following or covering it for the first time this year on the USL show, and it's been really cool to see the growth throughout the year. How do you think it's gone from years past to now? I think the quality has just it, – it's increased so much, and especially with the MLS2 teams leaving – I think it added both a layer of more stability, but also more parity as well. I think because in the past, I was like North Texas was always going to have talented players, but the issue was, and especially with other teams like Revs 2, Toronto FC 2, uh, Fort Lauderdale is 
on their best day, they can beat you 3-0, 4-1, no problem. But on the worst day, they look like a team that never played together. And that's a lot with the player movement. And then there's Orlando City B, which was always terrible. Now, with all those teams gone, you kind of saw, like, every team seemed to improve. And it, the results also match it. You know, Union Omaha making a quarterfinal of the U.S. Open Cup, beating two MLS teams. Um, Greenville, I was going to say, like, Greenville was still consistently pretty good. They were still the second seed. Richmond, you know, took everyone by storm. Trezaghi, once again, gets another golden boot and another MVP. But even a team like South Georgia Tementa, which it took a while at the beginning of the season, but they were beating USL championship teams in that Open Cup. And, you know, I think Noco had beaten an MLS team. Fuego beat an MLS team. And I was going to say, like, Ford Madison and Tucson were pretty competitive against MLS teams as well. So it's just the quality has been so much higher. And the fact that it took until the second to last game for teams to really get eliminated, like Tucson was sitting last place, but they could still have made the playoffs if things broke in a ridiculous way. And I think it's just one of those where there, there was no guarantee that you were going to win unless you're playing Ford Madison at the end of the season or North Carolina or Tucson at the beginning. But I think every team had a stretch where they looked like, they could win, like, if they get hot, they could win a title or at the very least host a playoff game. To your point, I mean, Tormenta, the champions of League One, if things were to break wrong for them, they could have either finished as high as second in, or they could have finished, I think it was as low as eighth. Yeah, And that could have happened in just the final week. That was as much parody was going on in League One that – they could have missed the playoffs entirely and not even be close to getting in. It's ridiculous how close that league was. And even Northern Colorado, which was an expansion team, they only missed out because they had one less win than Charlotte Independence. They had a higher goal difference, but when USL wins are the first tiebreaker. So it was just the margins being that thin, especially for a team that came in in year one to almost make the playoffs. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how it moves forward, especially with more and more teams coming in and how ambitious. I mean, you get a former CEO of Liverpool coming in, only a team. How competitive are they going to want to be? And I think it just forces everyone else to kind of step their game up. For sure. John, you have been collecting stats, watching film for, you know, two and a half years now consistently. Um, you've you've seen the highs and lows of the USL championship. How do you feel like it's compared to years past with the competition on the pitch? Yeah, I think Kyle made a really astute point in um, identifying the exit of those MLS two teams as something that adds a whole nother level of excitement and parity within these leagues. I think for me, it was really marked in the Western conference this year where pretty much every single team was in it through the last couple weeks of the season. And traditionally you would have bottom feeders and by parallel, you saw it in the Eastern conference with the New York Red Bulls too, allowed in United who just simply weren't going to win games. And I think that that consistent level of play, being able to face a team every single week that has a devoted fan base really adds something on the pitch. It builds the environment off of it. And beyond that, this felt like another year where the trend has continued of young talent developed developed by these USL championship clubs really taking a step up and making themselves uh, felt across the league, whether that's a Josh Winder in Louisville 
Um, you've seen it with the Alaskis who have grown up in the USL and one of them won the golden boot this year after moving away from an MLS two team. So I think in a lot of ways in that sense, I don't know if necessarily the quality of play itself has taken a massive leap, but it's grown incrementally and that parity has just been striking. Yeah, I mean, to talk about how good it's gotten with the, you know, subtraction of MLS, some of the MLS2 teams, our good friend Ryan had even said that this San Antonio team is the best team to ever do it. Um, and Louisville, depending on if they would have won that match, would have also been the best team to ever do it. It's really cool to see that we're seeing what seems to be a golden generation, but we seem to say that every year. So it, it's fun to see that and also just more teams really embracing that club mentality and really growing their youth players but we're going to move on and the next question and i'm going to throw it to you liz is going to be the league how did you feel like the w league was advertised do you feel like they pushed out their product enough do you think they did the right things to push out the product uh i think I think so. I mean, it was, you know, this is a league technically that actually had already existed prior, but it um, went into what just whatever they if it didn't fold, but it went on a very long pause. Um, so they did a really great job in bringing that back. Um, they were intentional about it. They were, you know, obvious that this wasn't something that was meant to absorb all the other leagues, but was meant to like heighten the product in our communities. Um, and then individually, I would say within each team, um, you know, a lot of them, of course, are USL men's teams, USL champions, or like or one or two. Um, and I was really, honestly, really like really impressed by um, what teams were doing. They um, did a great job kind of making sure that game days, like for the women's teams, they were, you know, they had live tweets or um, they had uh, practice content. Um, I want to say most of the teams were live streaming, which I know we'll talk about that later. But, um, you know, they made the equipment, the um, the personnel accessible to get that product live. Um and yeah, overall, I was really impressed. Um, Lisa at um, USL, uh, you know, Kayla, you've worked with her, just fabulous person who's um, really passionate, uh, just approachable, accessible, um, and, and has created also this um, great community of content creators. Um, and I think that's really important. Um, so yeah, I, I really at this point have no notes for them. Uh, they did a good job, but um yeah I, i'm kind of interested to see how they can improve that going forward because as the league grows they're going to bring in super league they're going to have to dedicate resources to both make sure both are you know being treated fairly um so interested to see that strategy for sure kicking over to you kyle i mean how do you feel it's interesting because i feel like it's a little bit of the league itself can do more because the product is good. And I think most of the advertising and like the promotion and what gets people into it is just fans that are of these teams that are watching. It's like, okay, this we've always said, this is a really stupid league because you'll have one team, Charlotte independence loses seven to zero and then turn around and beat a team six to two. No one knows what to expect. And I think that was one of the best appeals of it. And I think, the issue, I think, with the league, it's kind of like they got to find a way to continue 
talking more about these clubs and giving more of a story about the clubs. I mean, obviously, people know Foreign Madison, people know Union Omaha, people know Richmond and Greenville and Tormenta. Like, and a lot of that is because those clubs have done the work that it needs to to promote itself and put itself in that position. But then, you know, it feels as though, especially with teams of the West Coast, with like a two side with Northern Colorado, with Fuego, we didn't get as much of like who they are, what they're doing. And part of that could just be that it's still relatively newer, but I'm hoping we can kind of get to learn more about these clubs. And I think that's something that I would love to see the league kind of try and do more. It's like, give us an idea of what these clubs are, not putting it just on the clubs to kind of say, this is who we are. So otherwise, I think like in terms of getting the message out there, and I think the league and all the teams did a pretty good job at, you know, providing the live tweets of what's going on, providing content, um, whether it's, you know, getting to know the players or just like training photos. I, I think they did a good job at that. But I think just getting more into learning more about who the clubs are would be a pretty good stuff. Cause they did that a lot in 2019 in year one of the league. But I know with like the pandemic, I'm sure that caused out like resources to get allocated and shifted. But I, I would say that's probably the only thing is just letting us get to know more about the clubs themselves instead of having like having the clubs do it themselves. Yeah, I mean, to your point with that, I mean, we see clubs, a lot of clubs are doing their best, especially on social media, trying to push out their own stuff. But it's also just like most people aren't following every single club on Twitter, on Instagram. We would love to see some highlights come from the official league Twitter where a lot of people do get their information from. Um, go ahead. Yeah, I think it's just like the accessibility would be would be great for sure. John, how do you feel? Yeah, I mean, I think the club point is pretty salient here, just because I think there really is a question of how many people are interested in the league as a whole versus just caring about their local club, the team that they can watch in person week in and week out from my experience writing and podcasting and whatnot about the championship and in the limited contact I've had with the league office, for instance, a lot of the time they are very much trying to push those narratives of, Oh, okay. We sold Kobe Henry off for X amount of money. You guys at backyield can do an exclusive interview with him because we're trying to push this narrative and get people to watch USL on the terms of, this is the future of American soccer or something like that, where I think that they could do a better job of focusing on, hey, this is really high quality football being played on the pitch week in and week out. Say what you will about the broader fit of this league in the global landscape. It's just a really enjoyable experience with a lot of fun ticks every single week. So I think the league... And certainly the USL championship benefits more than any other league under the USL umbrella from the media promotion standpoint, just by the fact of the TV deal and that sort of thing that we'll get into in a minute. But um, I think that the marketing and the angle they take could use a bit of refinement. Yeah. And I want to go ahead, jump right in on that with the, with the streaming deal. Um, The championship and league one have both been on ESPN plus and, and then for League Two, um, it's kind of been on the clubs to if they want to upload or if they want to live stream, if they even have the ability or the means to, which it's not cheap all the time. Some I know you can put your phone on there and try to live stream, but I think a lot of clubs would feel more 
embarrassed by a low quality stream, so they'd rather have no stream. But then we have W League that 11 was a great streaming platform, but sometimes, you know, not every club was involved. How did you feel the 11 partnership worked out for W League Lowe's? Yeah, um, I know that they have similar deals with WPSL and UWS where they are free to clubs, I guess. Um, and or at least the clubs don't individually pay to to live stream or whatnot. Um, but I mean, it does what it needs to do. <laughs> it's just like a basic YouTube. It's like it's YouTube, basically, um, but kind of with a more um, sportsy, soccer-y uh, like user interface. Um, but yeah, I know a lot of the clubs, um, I'm hoping that changes next season. A lot of the clubs did not stream, um, or even, um, air, you know, non-live games if they didn't have streaming equipment, if they at least had like an ability to record upload later. Um, I was really disappointed in racing Louisville, not streaming any of their games. Um, they had players like fantastic players and they were just hoarding that and no one could see their home games um and yeah the club and so club and the usl champion um cha- like a championship team um they did not give them the proper um you know streaming equipment for that so i'm hoping that changes next year um i heard i think it's in the plans though um but yeah so um you know for most teams like minnesota aurora um i want to say tormenta indy 11 um i'm trying i'm like blanking but there were a lot who had you know, obviously, like a great setup, and something that we don't get a lot in lower league for women um, is like a commentary. It's not just like the sounds of a distant freeway and like you know <laughs> players screaming. Um, but there was like a dedicated home commentator who was um, not only knowledgeable about their own players but knowledgeable about the opponents' players, um, and was able to add some color commentary and and whatnot. So. Um, I, I was really impressed by a lot of teams that had that. And I think that um, raises the bar within their own conferences because if each conference has one that has that, the rest will feel, you know, not obligated, but inspired to do the same. And then that's just generally how you raise the bar. Um, you know, I think a lot of people write off, you know, the summer leagues as a summer league. But um, this is a really great opportunity to put out quality football. Um you know, and get people just engaged and excited and ready for Super League. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of what was what was ended up being difficult um, with trying to talk about the matches. We were trying to discuss a few W League matches every single week on this show, mm-hmm. but then we ended up watching the same four or five teams. I mean, yeah. to your point with good uh, broadcast, if I remember right, Detroit Cities was awesome. Oh yeah, you know it, they they had a wonderful broadcast team for W League, and that was really really cool to watch. And so we ended up watching the same teams, and it felt like other teams were really falling behind by not broadcasting themselves. And I I feel like the league could definitely do more to help those clubs out with maybe at least showing them how they can do it because some people are just afraid to put their you know voice on a mic. Yeah. And I was going to ask, Liz, do you think that's something that will change with, I mean, with some of these teams, they were brand new, so maybe they mm-hmm. just didn't have the resources. Do you think there will be more that do it in the future or mm-hmm. <clears throat> those that were over in the UWS, WPSL that came over to USL, do you think they're going to maybe eventually get into it? 
yeah. more, more of it will happen. I think that streaming is is meant to be a requirement soon um, for not only current teams, but expansion-wise, they will have that as a requirement. Um, and I think that they were just very lenient with, you know, the first year kind of everyone getting used to it. Um, but I think also teams that maybe were hesitant to get it started, they'll see uh, the value it adds. Um, and that'll be something that they put a budget towards um, because you'll have teams like, I mean, racing, uh, yeah, attracted a lot of great players because of their um, their academy setup and their great, you know, um, facilities. But uh, their teams will stream and show their quality of their program and players want to go play like they want to go play. They don't want to waste their summer uh, feeling like they're playing like rec. They want to go. And what better way to show your quality than to stream your games? So, yeah, I think it's going to change going forward. Fair. True. So for League One, I've I've had my personal beef with League One and Championship, how ESPN does it. If Whenever you go to find these matches, you'll be behind a Division Three basketball game, and it's like, oh, there is the game of the week in League One. Like, <laughs> it really sucks in that sense, but – other than I guess that, or even with that, how do you feel like League One fared with ESPN Plus? I think it is what like I guess I'm in the it is what it is because there's not really another option. <clears throat> I know some teams are able to try and get it on local broadcasts. I remember Ford Madison in 2020 had a local broadcast pick up the games as well, and it was actually not too far behind the lo- the actual match itself which was pretty nice compared to espn plus where you might be a minute minute and a half behind and it's like oh crap so if you're doing watch parties and like you have one person that's way farther ahead so i I think it is one of those where it would be nice i think because how my espn is set up it was thankfully able to let me know hey there's a ford master game coming up but if i'm just trying to see what championship or usl league one game is going on that's not a ford madison i have to like go through and go to soccer. Then I have to go into leagues. Then I got to find league one, which is like the 10th league on there. And it's just, it is very tedious and frustrating because it would be like major league lacrosse would be on there. It's like, what? Come on. Like we got to do a little bit better. So I think in terms of like the streaming itself, it is like, like I said, it is what it is. And kind of the same with like the quality, you know, some teams are going to have a much better stadium view because that's just how their stadium is set up. Other teams, not so much because it's just not like how the infrastructure works. It just, you don't get as good of a quality. So that's going to be the tough part. I think with teams that build new stadiums, that is something that they'll have the advantage of moving forward is you'll get a better quality because you can get a better camera angle. So you can kind of see more of what's going on as opposed to, well, this is the best we can do because that's just how it was built. So I, I think it'll be interesting to see how that changes moving forward and, you know, when you have the final, that's on ESPN2. That's a little bit different on that end. So that's kind of cool that, like, at least for the bigger games, you know, I know there's a Greenville Union Omaha game that was on ESPN2 at one point. The, this past final was on ESPN2. So getting to that level as well would be pretty nice. But it, it, I guess it's kind of hard to, like, say, like, yes, I would love the streaming to be better because it's not like there's another viable option out there. But the commentary team is great. I will say, like, each of them have done a great job at at least trying to learn it to the best of their ability, but having more commentators would probably be the other thing. Like that's a realistic change that I would like to see is getting more commentators and analysts on as well. And maybe even like a short pregame or postgame show, like for the week and review kind of thing. 
that's something I've heard a lot. Of t a lot of people say is that they would love to see more national broadcast people, um, more more voices. Maybe something we've talked about before. Maybe some more voices from around the league, not even just someone who's within the office or already a broadcast, but new just new people from around the league that know the league to talk about it. It could be really, really cool. Um, I mean, you kind of mentioned the good sidelines because of new stadiums, small pushback for the championship side. Colorado Springs half the time was just showing the roof of their stadium. And it was so frustrating to watch. It's like, you built this. This is new. <laughs> yeah. That would definitely like Chattanooga is the same thing. It's like, why is it so zoomed in? Like, I, this should not have happened. This is a brand new <laughs> soccer specific stadium. This shouldn't have happened. Even for, I think Fuego had one match where it's like, I got, I saw more of the crowd than the field, which good for them, <laughs> good for the crowd. But it's like, I'm not wanting to see someone just sit there with their hot dog and beer. Like, I can't see the set piece. I don't even know who took it. <laughs> Oh man, John, how do you feel about the whole broadcast? I mean, you're taking clips from everything. You get to see the good and the bad and the really bad. Yeah, I mean, I think I can agree with a lot of the points about League One in terms of the great variation from team to team. Where if you think about like the Las Vegas lights, where the camera angle is so low to the ground it's hardly tracking the ball at all, frankly. Like it's impossible to watch a Las Vegas game without wanting to die. Whereas, and I'm gonna push back actually on Colorado Springs where doing what I try to do with like the tactical breakdowns, they've got that beautiful high angle that when it isn't catching the roof is completely great for my means. I think I'm somewhat of a bad perspective just because I'm a complete sicko with like the way I try to watch these games. But I do think that overall, um, the uh, commentary teams that are being run out of Tampa Bay, or, or Tampa rather, from the league office have been pretty good. Uh, you think about like uh, Watts and Kerr, for instance, but they have a couple of teams, whether that's like Joe Malfa, Gary Bailey, uh, Josh Eastern does a good job, where they at least cover a decent amount of games per week. And they make sure that if there is a good local broadcast, it's available. So in the 11, for instance, all of their home games, you were getting the home broadcast with very professional local broadcasters. So I think there's an awareness of which games need a little bit of help to bring about a more professional presentation of it, but definitely agreed on all the points about doing more to promote the league within that ESPN infrastructure because it's buried below lacrosse and cornhole and whatever else is in the deep depths of ESPN. Don't get me wrong. I've definitely been under the influence and gone into the deep depths and seen what the, what's in there. Let me tell you, watching some cornhole at three in the morning, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but kind of moving away from the pitch and kind of on the pitch as well, but moving away from it mostly. You know, all of us, we we cover the leagues. We cover everything from a wider perspective, we want to try to bring that perspective to it, but we wouldn't have started doing this if we weren't fans first. Right. Um, and you have already mentioned it, Kyle. Friend, uh, our fans are important. T talking about supporters are important. You are a main part of the supporters life, not even just in, you know, Ford Masson, but also just league one. How, inclusive 
did our leagues feel? Did it feel like really everyone belonged or was it just kind of like people could show up, but it still fell out of place? I think it varies by team and supporters. I It's kind of tough because I feel like there are definitely teams. They're, the teams itself, like they do as much as they can and they try and they might make some hiccups, but at least they put in the effort. And I think there's a good amount of teams that do that. And then there's some teams that just don't put any effort into it at all. And then with the fans, it's kind of the same thing. I feel like, yeah, like there might be some like banter and shit talking back and forth to each other. But at the same time, like at least you kind of get an idea of like, all right, the fans normally get it. They try and like they're as long as you're not being a complete bigot, at the very least, you'll get a chance. You'll get a shot. You'll get a chance. But it's I feel like there still needs to be an increase in women supporters and those that identify as women for league one it is still very male heavy um yeah so i think that would be kind of something that would be nice i also feel like in terms of different races like there could be more you know latino supporters and definitely more asian supporters that's something that i've kind of noticed as well i think it's definitely growing but we can we can see a lot more of it um not only just in the public space of fans, but even just like if you go on, if you see them on capital stands or organizing stuff, it kind of feels like there still needs to be that increase on that end. But I, I think it's not because of not feeling inclusive. I just think it's the accessibility and just the, it's just hard. Like, how do you reach out? Like how to reach out is kind of like the big question that just needs to be answered. So I think that is definitely something. And even at like Ford Madison, it's still kind of safe. It's like, we still need to bring in more people of color. We still need to bring in more women. We still need to bring in those with disabilities. And so I I think that's something that every team's still trying to figure out and work towards. Some are definitely putting in that honest effort and others just probably won't. And I think that's also contingent on the league as well to try and make it seem like, yes, we can be inclusive, but you can't just say we're going to be inclusive and have all these screenshots of guys in the stands and cheering. Like, and if there is going to be a woman, it can't just be like someone's daughter, like a child. Like it has to be like adult women that want to be there as well. Like it's got to, you got to find a way to show that promotion, not just like have your token group or like your token, like five people there. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. I feel like kind of um, for you know, the women, um, we get a lot of like the offshoots of you know your usl one or usl championship we get the fans who are just fans of the club and then they come and support the women which for the most part i've been really impressed by um so if you know kyle what you're saying like you see that lack of diversity it it trickles down to the the women's league um i would really love to see um maybe this is something they already have and i just am not privy to it but headquarters kind of um requiring clubs to have a designated like supporters group rep um someone in the front office who um i know everyone's super busy and they have so much going on already but if they can take the time out each week to just kind of talk to supporters groups make sure that you know it's it's inclusive um you know the culture is um positive it's open warming welcome they have everything they need um i feel like that would go really far and then of course making sure that um they're supporting the women's teams too if they have one and whatnot i feel like that would mean a lot. Yeah, 
John, how do you feel like things were from the fan perspective this year and with inclusion? I would echo a lot of the same thoughts in terms of that club level where I think everyone needs to do more when you have, let's be honest, a player base that is predominantly people of color and that's not represented in the fans. I think there is a bit of a disconnect where there's a real chance to make these clubs community institutions that are reaching out across the board and not just targeting those upper middle class white people who you traditionally think of as soccer moms or soccer fans, because that is such an antiquated outlook on who is in love with the game in this country. So I think that's one area where certainly there needs to be improvement. I do think that Liz spoke to the way that a handful, at least of championship sides have uh, spread out into the women's game. And I'm definitely thinking about my own interest with Indy 11 here, where the uh, Brickyard Battalion supporters group, the club itself, have done a tremendous job of making that one of the premier clubs in the W League right off the bat. Mm -hmm. So I think we've seen steps in the right direction. And I know I'm bleeding into the next question that we're going to get to a bit. But there were a number of instances this year and in years past of very racially focused uh, fan abuse towards players. Uh, there was an instance alleged, but all but confirmed, of um, a player targeting a fan for their weight. And that's simply unacceptable, where there needs to be a sense of civility and decency in the way that you're supporting uh, the fan base that you're playing for, but also if you're a fan looking at the players. So there's definitely improvement, but I do think that overall, at least in the fan sense, the league is in a good place. Yeah, and kind of talking about what you've already started bleeding into a little bit, um, every single league, obviously we don't have a League 2 person on tonight. I meant to mention this at the top of the show. We had someone that was planning to come on, but they got sick, so they were unfortunately unable to come on because everyone's getting sick right now. It's just that time of the year. Um, but every single league, League 2, League 1, W League, Championship, we had, you know, the the HQ or whichever social media, League 2, W League, so on and so forth, come out with a post with their fancy graphic that says, we are aware of blank situation. Um, blank situation is bad, and we do not stand for it. Um, the USL does not stand for blank. Um we can we continue to support diversity in our game and or safetyness in our game. Um, you can throw whatever you want that into. We saw in you know in League Two, we saw a couple of racial incidents pop up. Same with the championship. A lot of them, unfortunately, in the championship, especially with Monterey Bay. Um, in League One, we saw, you know, Chattanooga with player abuse and I think a couple of other racial incidents. Um, in W League, I don't think there was that many of those graphics that came up, but we also know what happened with the NWSL and how that's connected with the W League. There's a lot of gross stuff that happens and it sucks. Do we feel, and I'm going to start with you, Liz, do you feel like the league's handled it well handled it poorly or do you think they were just afraid yeah everybody was definitely afraid i noticed every league um 
just across the board, men and women, um, concerning the um, Sally Yates report um, and even um, reporting on it prior to the, the report coming out. Um, it's They're so tentative. They just want to hide behind their safe sport shield um, and just say that, oh, we adhere to safe sport policy and procedure and we're fine and we're good here. Um, but it's, it's not enough. Um, I think that it's something that Thankfully, we didn't have anything come out that we know of, um, you know, starting the W League. Um, so that's all I can speak on for that. But it's something that um, the W League USL has to prove kind of um, over the next couple of years and so on. It's going to be an ongoing project for them to prove that they deserve to run a women's league. Um, I think everyone here knows, like, um, well, all of our fan bases can get very political and very um socially aware um but women's soccer fans are super aware of it and passionate about it um and it's as um you know leagues become more accessible fan bases grow people are just um hungry for more women's soccer content they look to their grassroots clubs in their area they become aware and then they follow the league hopefully um you know you're gonna get a lot of those passionate fans and it's just something that whenever i talk to people in leagues I'm like, you need to just kind of be prepared and be aware because in five years or so, you you guys are going to be booming with fans and you need to be aware. You need to have actual procedures in place to make sure fans, staff, players are all safe um, and heard. And so it's just something that they're going to have to prove over the years. Um, and so far, so good. But, um, but yeah. But, I mean, you know, um, for instance, uh, North Carolina has had issues and they have a W League team. Um, Racing Louisville had issues. They have a W League's team. Um, so that's just something that needs to be watched really closely and make sure that, um, I mean, a lot of minors play for those teams um, and that they're protected. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't say much with uh, League One. Not not so much. <laughs> I, I feel like it's been, I mean, the whole Jimmy O'Blana thing was such a bad look for Chattanooga and the league. And I mean, the players association said like, we understand it. We're acknowledging their investigation. We're still dissatisfied. Even when Chattanooga announced their party waste with Jimmy O'Blade, they were still saying like, this was still not good enough. We did not like how the club handled it from start to finish. Like we still want to file a report with safe, uh, safe sport regarding the conduct and the need for someone to investigate more. So I think it was like that situation was like a clear one where it was kind of like something happened. I think the only reason why it didn't escalate or get bigger than it did is because he wasn't Jimmy O'Blade wasn't around the team and they fought. And like, as soon as the season ended, he was gone. I think had he come back or had Chattanooga just not parted ways with him, then it would have again, continued asking those questions. Like what actually is going on? What is this investigation? Because Something clearly happened just for it to be on the radar in the first place that had put Jimmy O'Blada in that administrative league. And there's just little to no transparency from the league or Chattanooga themselves. It was kind of like a, we're looking into it. Then they looked into it and said, all right, the, then USL League One's like, we're done. That's not our problem. It's Chattanooga's thing to deal with. And Chattanooga's like, we're just going to keep them away from the team. And Jimmy Weekly's going to continue coaching it until the end of the year. And then I was like, all right, he's fired now. They're like, it kind of feels like they're just like, all right, that time is over. And it's like, there's still a lot that 
we don't understand. And if Jimmy Oblade were to get another coaching job in the mm-hmm. U.S. in general, then it's it's kind of like what happened in Chattanooga. No one knows. And I think that left a, that was kind of like a sore thing for USL League One just because, you know, there hasn't been as many incidents with, you know, racial language. There has been times where they've looked into it. and But this just kind of felt like a, after everything that happened with, you know, the U.S. Women's National Team and the NWSL, this was like a good opportunity for USL to kind of be proactive and kind of show that change. And they just didn't do it. And I think that was kind of like the disappointing part of it all. With Chattanooga, I mean, John was on the show where we talked about everything that happened that week because the same week all that came out was the same week that Monterey Bay had another issue. There was just a lot going on. That was the same week as the Sally H report. All that happened the same week, and we've talked about it. And the thing that we landed on with Chattanooga is – I'm I'm trying to remember if they currently have one, if they are getting one, a W League team. They have they have an academy system. They have a League Two team. If you're someone who wants to play during the summer with League Two or you want to go to W League, why would you want to go to that kind of place? I mean, that especially since the front office not only was acting weird about it, they wished I know strange they wished him a happy birthday like three days after he got suspended yeah it was that was a weird thing and why would a young player want to go be involved with that that just makes that whole situation just more toxic yeah and it's especially in chattanooga it's like why go to the red wolves when you have another team right there and they're showing so far they have at least shown they're going to put in the work that it takes to take care of, you know, that younger player. So it's that is kind of like the good part as well. It's like, why go to Ch- why go to the Red Wolves if Chattanooga FC is right there? And what like what sh- systematic changes are you going to have to get that involved? Mm-hmm. For sure, John. We've talked about it a lot. I know we've talked about it on air and private. I mean. What do you, what more do we need to, I guess, hash out with it? Because it seemed like every other week. Yeah, I mean, I think without a doubt, this is the biggest stain on the USL championship in the past, this season, and going forward. Where if you think about from the first weeks of the season, uh, Hugh Roberts with Monterey Bay was receiving racial abuse from fans. He is one of the leading figures in the USL Black. Players Alliance, and then it happened again later in the season. You had the whole thing with Racing Louisville, which of course was overseen by James O'Connor, who is essentially the head of the sporting side of things for the broader Louisville organization. He received no punishment from any parties, much Mm -hmm. less internally or from the USL championship. There has been vocal fan response and nothing has come about. Uh, There was the Lawrence Wyke incident at the end of the season where the USL levied a fairly heavy suspension on him and then reversed it basically the minute they received pressure from Tampa Bay and the Players Union when it was clear from the statements that the Tampa Bay Rowdies made that their own player had clearly um, said some pretty horrendous things. Even at the club level, there have been real poor missteps that just 
capture the fact that the league doesn't do enough to promote diversity and inclusion and cut down on discrimination. I'm specifically thinking about Indy 11 in the wake of the reversal of the Roe decision. Uh, they were clamping down on supporter signs about women's reproductive rights. For this to be the state of affairs for the league in 2022 is frankly embarrassing. And when so many other things are going right, when so many of the initiatives have been successful for these consistent failures to happen in terms of discrimination is just completely disappointing. Yeah, I mean, can't say much better than that. Um, kind of moving away from, I guess, a heavier topic, you know, kind of going into what we do. We're all content creators of, you know, some sort. You know, Liz kind of already talked about our experience with W League, which that was a really cool experience. Um, you know, how did how did we feel that the leagues uplifted their content creators? Did they do it? Did they do it enough? Should they do more? If are some people too involved? I'm going to start with you, Liz, because you do have direct experience with that. Mm -hmm. um, I personally don't think you can ever do too much content, um, especially with women's teams. Um, you can never have too much content. Um, and I think that Lisa and USL did a phenomenal job making sure content creators who maybe at the time were not involved in the USL at all, um, but were maybe just women's soccer in general, um, they made them feel included. Um, they helped generate ideas for them to create content, uh, which is sometimes like the hardest thing is to just figure out what to do. Um, and yeah, they did a phenomenal job. Pick and Panel was awesome. They meant they made sure that there was weekly content, um, that it was diverse. It covered all the teams, um, you know, and was just a lot of fun, got people engaged and, and that's really all you need for content. Um, I think, uh yeah i mean no notes <laughs> no notes on that they did a great job um and i i'm excited to see kind of where lisa takes pick on panel next season who she gets involved you know to keep that um, rotating fresh i'd love to see that maybe have like a celebrity guest every week like a different one every week um you know just someone in women's soccer in general um get like meglin a hand one week and you know just kind of toss it around make it fun and and different I'm going to throw my personal idea. Lisa, if you're listening, whichever player was the player of the week the week before gets to do the pick em. Oh, yeah. Just an idea. Um, this is why Kaylor is the king of PR. <laughs> yeah, that's what can I say? <laughs> Kyle, how about you? How do you feel like the league did, and maybe also teams, but just the league did to support its content creators? It's interesting because I would say <clears throat> last year when Ryan Madden was part of USL's headquarters, he was very good at like getting t tuned in, talking to Elliot and I, and at least like being supportive. And I think that's been the biggest thing with the league is we have not gotten anything from the league saying, hey, stop doing this. Stop making fun of the Chattanooga coach for like it, for being horny on Maine and putting his cash <laughs> app out there. Like, thankfully, no, nothing like that happened, but. I think from the league perspective, you know, there wasn't really much in terms of highlighting what content creators are doing. Not, and that's not just Walking 90. That's, you know, On The Rocks podcast. That's any local podcast that pe people are doing for their respective teams. But I think for the clubs themselves, you know, for this year, we were able to talk to every, I would say, almost every team in League One. 
that whether it's a front office person, whether it's a coach, whether it's a player, and also the expansion teams that were coming in. So I think like the clubs themselves are doing a pretty good job at trying to let themselves be available for those content creators to get, you know, coaches or players interviewed if the time works out. So I think that's been pretty good on the club side. I think they should continue doing that, making sure, because that's what's going to get more people interested in your teams and getting people to care more is having people that they're not getting paid by the club. They're just doing it because they really, really, really care about their team or they really care about the league. So just leaving them more open, it like, like Liz said, you can never have too much content. So I, I would say the clubs were pretty good. Like I said, being responsive or at least being open to allowing us to talk to players and coaches. And I think, you know, for those that are doing podcasts on the respective teams, just keep doing it because we see it and, it's gonna like it's gonna take the fans to really get going. I think the clubs do a good job at least being accessible in that way. Now, they, I don't know how it would work with promoting it because I'm sure there's that fine line that you got to figure out. But at, at the very least, it's nothing. There's been no pushback, and I think that's a good first step. I think something that we definitely saw with the USL show, and I think I saw with Walking Night as well. You know, teams were able to take some quotes from interviews and put them up on graphics and be like, look what was said. This is how great they think we are, you know, but there's also a lot of other teams that they'll allow their players to be interviewed. They'll allow their front office people to be interviewed, but they don't let any of that content really be seen. If that makes sense, they don't promote what was shared about their team. And sometimes that rubs me the wrong way a little bit of like, you know, they're putting in the work and they, you know, a coach or player said something wonderful about the team or about the front office or about the fans. And they're just like, eh, that, that's a fan podcast. We're too professional for that. Yeah, there are definitely some teams that, you know, they're still like that is a fan podcast. Tormenta being the one that we interviewed Marco Micheletto about this point last year, and they were the ones that take took some of the quotes and put it on there. And I know that was really cool for us to see, or they're at least like if we were talking to a player, I think. Santa Barbara and Lexington at least said like, Hey, we're going to have one of our people on this show, you know, be sure to check it out. So I think it was kind of cool in that aspect, but yeah, definitely trying to get more of that, whether it is, Hey, this player is going to be on this podcast. And I know the players do a great job. You know, obviously the players are going to promote it out there, retweet it or put something on social media as well that they're going to make an appearance. So. John, you have been really, you know, interesting place with content, especially with Backhield. Um, you know, you talked about how you do get a little bit of exclusive things. You know, you obviously do what you do, and you're very much held in a high regard as you should be. How do you feel like the championship clubs do to uplift their people and just the league itself? I think this year when I was able to join Backhield and get – a modicum of legitimacy of, okay, here's a person who's now doing work for a proper outlet where suddenly there were opportunities. Like I had to interview Sarah Gordon before the USL championship final, where I was getting to occasionally have communications with the league office about people to interview or whatnot. And I was very much shut out from those opportunities before I reached that quote unquote legitimacy. And I think that the league can certainly do more to promote the fact that there are tons of people devoting hours upon hours of their time to boost the USL, to raise the profile of it. 
and that extends to the club level as well. Um, I'm going to echo what everyone has been saying that all content is good content at the end of the day. The more eyeballs you're getting on your team is ultimately a win no matter what. And I think a lot of clubs, for whatever reason, are, res are resistant to promoting what their fans are saying. Um, I'm not to call out Detroit City, who I think is an exemplary organization in terms of what they're doing on and off the pitch, but they basically only promote coverage from the two major papers in Detroit rather than the legion of excellent coverage that you get from devoted Detroit City fans. There just seems to be a gap where there's a lot of coverage that isn't getting as many eyeballs as it deserves because these clubs just don't see it in the proper context. So I think there is a bit of a disconnect, but I think broadly the league is improving in terms of how they're promoting what people are trying to do in terms of content creation. Beautiful. So I have one last question that we have planned for, and then we got a couple questions from the chat that I'm going to throw in, do some rapid fire off those. But I'm going to start off with Liz. Um, what do you think the W League could do to improve? Like, what are the things that they did really well? But what are the big things that you're like, if we do this, th then we'll be here? Uh, right off the bat, which... I know is like already changed because they have the Pacific Northwest um, conference coming in, expand more into the West. Uh, so more on that later. Um, and uh, a couple things to like, I just, I'm like, keep it that way. Uh, keep the championship final hosted by like your top seed. Don't have like a neutral venue. We hate it. You know, in the end of we had it in the WPSL. Um, it was miserable. Um, you know, that's just that um, environment. You just can't buy it, basically. Like Aurora had this fantastic um, championship final um, ambiance and sadly they lost. But, you know, that was memorable. <laughs> that was such a memorable time. You don't get that with a neutral venue. Um, uh, but some things to change, be more transparent about the Super League. Um, that's a big thing that's supposed to be uh, around the corner. Um, be transparent about it. How is that going to affect USLW? Um, what are some ways that they will feed off each other and benefit each other? Um, how is it going to complete the puzzle? Because I think Super League will complete the puzzle for women's soccer in general, but also USL. Um, so, yeah, those are my big pointers, my big things that I want to change. Is Liz also a Republic fan? Um, I'm like, I don't know. I am when they're <laughs> I am sometimes I used to be I used to be way more involved. Um I was on um a Sac Republic um podcast a while ago and and I don't know, I think I just kind of um I don't know, I think I had a couple bad experiences. But um I love them and what they've like historically done for the community and um and yeah. So we'll see kind of <laughs> I don't know. But um, I respect them. They do fantastic things for our community. And that's, that's what means the most to me. Kyle, what do you think needs to be the biggest improvement of League One? And what's the thing that you're like, yes, you're nailing this. For the love of God, don't change it. Um, <clears throat> I would say, and I saw a question about an ex expansion. West, the Midwest, and Northeast. We are good on the Southeast region. We don't need more teams in the Southeast. We're good. Please expand to other parts of the country. Um, the other thing I, I agree with Liz, like having the higher seed host the final, 
Um, I think that that is something that needs to change. And I think a thing would be cool to see is on that final day, kind of like how the European leagues and MLS look like they have all their games happening at the same time. Because when Tormento was playing Chattanooga and Greenville was playing, it was like Tormento's lead. It's like, oh god, they're up to second. And then like Greenville got a goal, so it was like they dropped like all. It was just like cool seeing how the table the table could change. Because it kind of felt like by the time you get to that final, no, I, God damn it, Wilmington. Yeah, I know, no more, no, no more Southeast teams. I swear, but <laughs> I, I think having like a deadline decision day would be really, really cool in terms of trying to follow. And we saw it in the World Cup today with like Group C and just like how one goal by any team could drastically change like who would advance. I think that would just be really cool to see, you know, going in, and especially if the league continues to be at the level of parity that it's that it is right now john how about you yeah i mean just to circle back i think the diversity inclusion issue is really the primary thing at this point where there has to be a zero tolerance policy towards the issues that you're seeing if you want to grow this fan base to broader communities than those traditional soccer areas and in addition to that on a more pitch centric side keep doing what you're doing in terms of promoting downtown stadium projects i know for instance phoenix rising just got a much more central location uh we've talked about louisville colorado springs in that vein and then uh, one more point would be the espn plus deal which is kind of sort of up make sure that you're not going boneheaded with this keep the league as available as possible for as many people who want to watch it as possible because getting eyeballs is the number one way to grow the game to grow the profile of your league especially when mls has made the decision to put itself behind a fairly exorbitant deal with apple tv where there's a real chance for the usl championship usl league one w league and the super league to take a step up in terms of visibility so just don't make the wrong decision because you need to make this game accessible in as many ways as possible. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we got a couple <laughs> quick rapid fire. Um, I want to start off with one that we saw early and, and it said for top five, but I'm just going to do the favorite, uh, favorite stadium that you've seen within the league that you follow Liz. Um, what was the question one more time? Sorry, the favorite know. stadium that's in the league. Um, I really liked Indy 11s. I know it was kind of like an indoor kind of setup, but it felt really in like, part, yeah, it felt yeah. really intimate. I just really liked it, and I love how they had um the battalion up above, and they were honestly one of the best fan bases I have seen. You know, they were they turned out for their women's league, and um their women's league team and it was phenomenal i really like that um that setting i know it's like it's it's turf right artificial turf in, in there right i think so okay yeah um but so I, I used mean, to live five minutes away from that venue so it's tricky for me to see that yeah like on on tv or on screen kind of thing um yeah i liked it yeah, aurora fc exactly. obviously for their like ambiance and environment i really like that um, always sold out um and i don't know i think uh, i'm trying to think of anyone else um queensboro 
I can't remember if they had like the skyline in the background, um, but they have some like skyscrapers off in the distance, which was really cool. Um, and they always had a great turnout as well. They have a very passionate community and I love that. Um, yeah, those are my favorite on cool. top of my head. Kyle? Um, I'm trying to think. I would say City Stadium in Richmond has still been, in terms of the experience I had, was probably the best one. Um, there's still a lot of teams that I need to visit. Like, I want to see the new stadiums in Chattanooga and Tormenta. I'm very curious about Lexington and how that goes. I will say Santa Barbara will probably forever win once they come into the league because their stadium, you can see the beach from one of the bleachers, and it's like that's that's too good of a deal to pass up. So <laughs> once Santa Barbara comes in, it will likely be them. But for now, I, I think Richmond Stadium, just like the history behind it, and when those fans get into it, it does get pretty loud. So, and of course, I'm saying that so, and I can't say Ford Madison and Bree Field. I'm going to try and be unbiased. I mean, I'll be, I obviously, uh, Memorial Stadium is just awesome. Even on TV, it's cool. As uh, someone who watches on TV, I loved watching Ford's, Ford Madison matches. I felt like the stadium was small enough and close enough, especially close enough that it felt real it felt yeah. very intimate so i always loved watching it on uh espn plus so that was always one of my favorites john how about you yeah in terms of just sheer visuals i got a shout out to pittsburgh river hounds you've got the i believe allegheny river you mm-hmm. just occasionally get a train coming by which is always a plus um in terms of the overall experience i kind of got to give it to detroit here they pack Keyworth week in and week out. They are very vocal, very passionate. I know I'm sort of playing to the crowd with this one, but it's just <laughs> a different level of fun to watch them play at that stadium. I mean, yeah, I, I'm a little bit mad that I have yet to see a ball hit a train at either Pittsburgh or <laughs> at Detroit City. <laughs> it, it bothers me a little bit. I feel like it should be a halftime entertainment instead of a crossbar challenge, just like a caboose challenge. <laughs> <laughs> we'll work on it. Um, let's see. There was a couple of others. Uh, there was one that I saw a while back, and it was a basically a league tournament, just like the EFL Cup. Um, so for W League, this would be, I guess, just a proper, you know, U.S. Open Cup for women. Um, could you see that happening once Super League comes in? He, yes, I think so. I think yes, having that um, tier filled is really important to having an open cup that's, you know, uh, worthwhile for everyone. Um, but there are some amateur teams, some WPSL, UWS, WLE teams that could hang with some NWSL teams. Um, and I would love to see it. And in general, sure, you may have a blowout, but um, also on the plus side, you could have like a Sac Republic story where they um, they go all the way. And I think that that's just just as meaningful. Um, and yeah, it could be a blowout, but you're still engaging the fans. Fans are excited to see it. And and so yeah, I know Open Cup is always a big debate in women's. It, um, you know, as as is pro rel a big bait and like women's soccer fan bases but i think when once super league comes in that it's something that needs to legitimately be talked about by all the leagues but a lot of the leagues don't want to play with each other so that also has to change so yeah 
Yeah, unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, how about the, um, you know, just like an EFL Cup, a USL Cup between League One and the championship, see the two championship or see the two winners of San Antonio taking on Tormenta? I have been pounding the drum of a USL Cup with Championship League One and League Two, and Brandon Mays was the other one that was saying it as well. That would be awesome if there was just like a USL Cup and all USL teams could be in it. I know it'd be kind of tough for like the League Two teams in terms of like how they wouldn't, but if we could just have something like that, that would be, even if it is kind of like that Super Cup idea as well, that'd be pretty cool as well. I, I, I'm hoping there is a USL Cup maybe if they do get pro rel in whatever year it is yeah john how do you feel about an efl cup i mean i completely love it let's be real i would rather <laughs> have pro rel if i could like do either or but i mean give me as much soccer as i can get at this level mm-hmm Fair enough. And there was another question that was in there that was pretty fun. We've seen this a few times now. Um, there was our good friend Gio. What kind of brought him onto the map was whenever the USL did the EUSL Cup when COVID was still like cute and not deadly and stuff. Um, and it was, you know, they got to play with players and, you know, they did the Rocket League tournament. I think recently they had the the eFootball, I think is what it called, the PES, whatever it was yeah, that, exactly. sorry, awful game. Um, <laughs> but you know, they had, you know, they had that whole thing. How would you guys like to see just more of that? Just USL sponsored tournaments with video games and stuff where fans could play with the players or with front office or even just represent their club, because this is the only time that some of these fans will ever get to properly represent their team. I think <clears throat> I think at least doing – and this is something like teams could do is just have a player or coach play with a fan, and they can just have a conversation. I think that would be really cool. Um, I'm trying to think, like, what other – like, it would be interesting to watch, like, a Overwatch competition of, and with someone representing their team and doing Overwatch. <laughs> that would be – I would pay money for that. Like, that – that okay, maybe I won't pay money, but that would be probably my top, like, some kind of first person – or just a Fortnite nonsensical, like, goof around with someone. And then all of a sudden you find out it's, like, some representative's, like, 10-year-old kid who's just better at video games <laughs> than everyone. It, it would be pretty funny. You go the Tucson route with uh, Rocket League and pay a professional player to win it all. You could go, that was, that was a weird time. <laughs> Ryan, I, if there was a – football manager would be an interesting one as well, just, like, a representative doing football manager. Um I don't want that to happen because I have a gut feeling Ford Madison's asked me to do it. And I don't want to fully commit. <laughs> oh, could you, this is what, if with a football manager, it has to be live streamed. A fan has to go against the team's manager and they have to outmanage the team's manager. Oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, I mean, is there anything, what, how would that really work for, I guess, could you see something like that working with W League or maybe combine it with Super League, Liz? Yeah. Um, I mean, once if FIFA ever gets the NWSL in, that would be cool. Football Manager, I know, is working on a comprehensive like database that's not just like a mod. Um, so that would be kind of cool. I know a lot of the players in the NWSL play uh, video games, and um, I could see a lot of opportunity for collaboration in the W League, get players who play, um, get 
fans who play do some sort of tournament overwatch would be a lot of fun but i i think there's like it falls on the stereotype that women don't like video games and that's not true and so i want to see a women's league uh kind of go against that stereotype and embrace gamers women gamers I would just, I would love to watch just a full tournament of just like W League itself. Just say, yeah. this is our true USL Cup. All W League League Two, Championship League One, their winners of the Overwatch League have to go off just 1v1v1v1. Yes. There we go. Yeah. We no, found it. We figured it I'm out. I'm not playing, but I will watch. <laughs> <laughs> I am terrible at Overwatch. So I, I, I know if I want, I don't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> It's not about the win. Give me like a USL winning. Jeopardy though. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know how we could get on board with hosting. Who would be? It'd probably be Kerr, right? It Devin Kerr would probably be. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He's the Alex Trebek of this whole setup. <laughs> <laughs> so. Look, we are, this is turning into a super long episode without getting super rambly and falling into whatever and hopefully me not falling into hypothermia along the way. Um, I just want to say thank you to everybody listening. And I want to, the way we've been doing this for uh, Liz, Kyle, you, uh, this is the first time I'm on your show, on the show. So when we do outros, plug whatever you want, plug all of the things, and also say what's ever on your mind if it's soccer related non-soccer related i do music favorite music choice of the week uh and john goes into uh usually just like some kind of tolkien world or whatever is the star wars flavor <laughs> of the month so you know pick your favorite so final thoughts uh, for the people this Oh, um, keep an eye out on some cool W League announcements tomorrow. Um, just like insanely cool. Maybe I am the only one who thinks it's cool, but um, it's big. And in general, keep an eye out for that. Um, follow Protagonist Soccer. They're a bunch of good dudes. Um, we recently got like uh, somebody um, made a new account, like a fake Protagonist account, and then paid eight bucks to get it verified and then trolled us for like a week. But I kind of thought it was funny, <laughs> but it was funny. Like the, the stuff they were tweeting, I was like, Oh my God, I can't laugh, but it's funny. Um, but follow them. They're a bunch of good guys. They put out really quality content, um, you know, year round passionate and, and whatnot. And um, I don't know. I can't, what else do I plug? Um, that's it. That's all I can you have any, yeah, you have any other thoughts, anything that you're, anything you're listening to? Um. Uh. Let's see. I'm always listening to whatever Shea Butter FC puts out. Diaspora, um, United. Follow them. Subscribe to them. They always put out the best content. Um, Andre and Courtney at Diaspora are like just the greatest people I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. And well, not meeting personally because they're on the East Coast, but um, pleasure of getting to um, create content with. And and yeah, so follow them. Beautiful, Kyle. All right, yeah, you can follow me at Kyle Coche if you want. Um, I'm if you like the Milwaukee Bucks and you can deal with it, that's probably what's going to be most of my tweets for the next couple months. Otherwise, <clears throat> uh, Walking Ninety Pod. Uh, that's how it is at Walking Ninety Pod for that. And if you want to be on that show, definitely feel free to hit us up. 
just keep in mind we will make fun of your team, whichever one you support. We will find something to make fun of you for it. Um, otherwise, follow your local teams, podcast, content creators. I, I think there's a lot of good people putting out good work. And just getting more of that awareness makes everyone at least more knowledgeable what's going on with the league. And then, oh, my thoughts. Um, the Spotify wrapped can definitely create an illusion about someone that might not fully be true. So for me, for example, one of my top five songs is Holocene by Bon Iver. I'm not a Bon Iver fan, but <laughs> my two-year-old loves that song for bedtime. Hence why it is in my top five songs. So just keep that in mind when you're looking at someone's Spotify wrapped. Sometimes it's very clear they might have someone sharing their account with them. Incredible. Yeah. Love that. John? Well, uh, like <laughs> Kyle's kid, I also fall asleep listening to Bonavere. Um, I do want to shout out. <laughs> I do want to shout out the um, U.S. World Cup coverage. I've been doing it back healed. Um, basically, every time they play, I'm breaking down one play that sort of shows what the tactical approach is for the game, and I think it's sort of a fun way to cover the tournament. In terms of something more random, I've been kind of binging like every single movie that Colin Farrell has ever been in. And I mm. think he's just an incredible human being. So shout out Colin Farrell. <laughs> <laughs> he does not get I'm enough credit. Think, I can't even think he like really what movie does have I seen. I'm sure there's a movie out there, but I I what? feel like I've not seen a movie with him in it. Who what movie is like I feel like the like best intro would be Minority Report, where it's like oh, Tom Cruise. Okay. Yeah. Steven Spielberg directed it. Okay. Most recently, he was in Banshees of Inisherin, which is oh. kind of really depressing, but he's immense in it, and it's like twistedly funny. He's just great. Anything he's in is great. He was the I Penguin in Batman. That's the- right. He's oh. under eight pounds of makeup. Yeah. yeah. Yes, what? Exactly. There you go, Andy. Miami Vice, by the way, is nonsense, but he's brilliant in it. I now need to so okay. now I know what I'm watching this weekend. I guess. <laughs> um, I guess for me, uh, yeah, consume all the stuff, uh, local content. Um, everybody that's on here and everybody that's normally on the USL show, everybody at protagonist backhilled walking 90, they all put out amazing stuff individually. So check it all out there. That is days and days and days of content that you can just really expose yourself to. And it's all great stuff. Um, I am two days away from completing my internship. I am no longer, um, well, a free intern. I can, break free of my slavery so shout out to me um and let's see oh piece of music that i've been listening to the Vorjok cello concerto highly recommend goes hard hmm. so well, yeah that's uh i think that's about it for today uh listen it was a longer episode but i had some fun um i hope you all enjoy listening to it it was definitely an informative listen for me and i hope it was for you all and even though he was not on the show tonight for the final times at night or i guess the only time of night q allen's voice thank you for watching another episode of the usl show 
This and every episode is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. Find podcasts and other written work at bgn.fm. Once again, thanks for stopping by, and we'll see you guys again next week.